Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Thank you so much for listening. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes uh, committed by people of color and their victims that we do not hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are white. There are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the lives and fascinating crimes of serial killers and uh, true crime committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist. And I wanted to interject here because we've got like 11 episodes by the time this one airs or, well, yeah, by the time we're recording this, we have about 11 episodes out and people might be wondering like, how dare she, how could she call the news racist? (laughs) It's a hot take. I know, but, um, and, and I know that for white people, being called racist is like the worst thing you can say to them. And they get really uncomfortable and defensive at the suggestion that um, they are racist. Um, that's called white fragility. Look it up. Um, because, again, it's not, an, it's not enough to be racist. To just be not racist, you have to be anti-racist. But more on that later. So I've been a person of a female person of color for over 30 years and I've had to deal with both racism and sexism every single day. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. <woo-hoo>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just been the greatest. Um, that makes me an expert on both of those things. And, um, you know, I, I don't get to like clock out of being a, a woman or being a person of color. Um, and, um, so I call them as I see them and uh, representation has certainly improved over time, but the news, the media, the government, any of our under, any of our other 
glorious American institutions can always do better. So that is true. And uh, we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We are not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. That's right. Yep. (laughs) Some of the things that we discuss on this podcast may be triggering and or disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. And sometimes we use profanity. Listener discretion is advised. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com and enter at your own risk. That's right. So today we are going to be talking about Kimberly LaGale McCarthy, a woman who murdered elderly women for financial gain. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How are you, Beth? What's new? I'm good. I just got back uh, from vacation. I spent a week in North Dakota, of all places, to visit Mm. (laughs) my daughter, uh, her husband, and my grandson. I was so happy to see him. (laughs) How was it? How was your trip? It was great. Um, Well, my my grandson is four, and they Uh moved up there. Gosh, it had to have been like maybe four months ago, not that long ago. And he's already like changing and growing. It's just, uh, I have to, yeah, I have to see him like every four months or something. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to miss out on that. (laughs) So when's your next trip? Well, she's coming down here in January. So I'll see her in in January. And um, so while I was there... Um, they live in an apartment, and the mm-hmm. apartment building next to hers caught on fire. I saw that on your timeline. Yeah, isn't was, that crazy? Did anybody die? Was everybody okay? No, right everybody now? was okay, so that's good. <laughs> um, yeah. The dog was barking. Their dog was barking, uh-huh. and um, it woke me up, and I th- I was thinking I heard sirens, but I wasn't sure because, you know, how when you wake up, you're like, did I dream that? Was it yeah. really happening? Wasn't it? And so I, I looked out the window to see if I could see anything, which I don't know what I was expecting to see because the window looked out on the uh, on another apartment building, not out on the street. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't know what I was expecting to see, but I looked out and I saw um, the reflection of the flames on the building mm. across the way. And mm-hmm. so I went out and uh, got my daughter. I was like, uh, I think there's a fire. And she's like, what? Oh, shit. <laughs> so we went outside and looked, and it was the building uh, next to hers on the left, not across oh the way. But the flames are being reflected off of that building. And it is oh the biggest God. fire I've ever seen close up. And we were afraid, uh, it was so big, we were afraid that her building was going to catch on fire. So, uh, no, it didn't, thankfully. But we packed up a bunch of stuff uh, just in case. Like We made sure she got all her photographs and um, I got my grandson's favorite toys. That was my... (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh my <laughs> gosh, that's the last thing you want to have happen on vacation is yeah. a fire. <laughs> wow. So, wow. yeah, we packed up a bunch of stuff and we were ready to 
get out of there, but uh, they got it under control, so it was okay. Oh, good. But the good. people, nobody died, and mm-hmm. everybody, nobody was even injured, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, good. The fire alarms were going off into the next day, like because you know how your fire alarm has battery in it. Yeah. Yeah, so they were like throughout the next day you could hear the just beep, the f- beep, yep beep. yep <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate that though. That's why we yeah Before but we it saves lives out. but however it oh, does yeah. save lives so <laughs> yes it definitely saves lives so <laughs> good good well I'm glad you're okay what a like crazy ordeal yeah it was crazy I'm glad I was there because she was my daughter was freaking out. And oh. so I was able to uh, be there for her. Good. So good. Yeah. That's wow. Oh my gosh. Well, when we read your autobiography, this story better be in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so <laughs> I was going to talk about how much I love tennis because uh, Serena Williams um, and uh, Naomi Okasaki um, won. Um, uh-huh. However, uh, I don't want to talk about that. I took okay. my son fishing this morning. <laughs> oh, where'd you take him? Just to the canal. I mean, I, I have no business fishing. First of all, I don't have a license and I don't know how to fish. I just Wikipedia <laughs> how to fish and my son's been like begging me to take him. Aww. So we went to the canal this morning. He, we woke up really early and we don't have any like real bait, but I saw on the internet that you can use cheese. So I used cheese <laughs> and uh, cheese would stay on the hook. <laughs> and like, I didn't want, I didn't want like the authorities to come and like see me with the pole. Cause I don't have a license. And the fine is like 300 bucks or something like that. Oh wow. And they take your pole away. So, but kids don't need, and that's the worst so part. He, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so he was like casting the line and Again, I have no, we have no business doing this, but, uh, I, he, he cast his line and the hook got stuck on his shorts. Like I thought it grabbed his nuts and I was like, I was like freaking out. (laughs) And then we couldn't get the, we, it didn't, it didn't like touch his skin, but it was stuck in his shorts. (laughs) So he had to take his shorts off and I'm like trying to, uh, get the hook out and I couldn't. And then like, other like professional fishers were like, what's going on <laughs> over there? And like, what's came, happening? Some guy came over to help and I'm like Aww. hungover. I probably still smell like whiskey the next day. And, uh, <laughs> they come over, they come over and like, uh, you know, he's like, I got pliers. And he like, my son's sitting on the ground in his underwear. And this guy's like helping us get the hook out of his shorts. Aww. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we should leave and come back another time. Another day, yeah. <laughs> another day. So, um, it was it was very. It was. It's really funny now, but I was so so afraid that like I'd have to take my son to the ER to get a hook removed. A fishing from his hook. Testicles. Oh God, that would yeah, be horrible. But- <laughs> <sighs> so anyway, um, uh, fishing. Uh, what an adventure! Now I understand why people do it so much. <laughs> Did he have so, fun? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he cool. had a lot of fun and he's just been begging us to take him. Aww. So we got him a pool <laughs> and we're trying to do this more often. Hopefully next time well, it will cool. be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've uh, never been very good at fishing. 
I don't know what oh. I do wrong, but yeah, I never catch I've anything. I've never <laughs> ever caught anything. I've never caught anything. But like never? The, the dude who was helping us. No, no. I mean, the dude who was helping us was like, yeah, I caught, he's like, I, I caught th- about three this morning. And I was like, what? And then he goes, yeah, but the bite time passed 30 minutes ago. And I was like, oh. uh, what, what is bite time mean? He goes, oh, that's when the fish bite. They're and then biting. eventually they yeah. stop. Something I didn't know. So, yeah, I, I, I guess <laughs> you have to fish a lot to know when those times are. I guess, I guess I so. Guess. So maybe, maybe know. someday we'll we'll get really good at this activity. But it was yeah. it was fun for the time. Cool. So um, cool. moving along, um, this is the part of our show where we shout out any content by people of color or about people of color or any true crime goodies. So um, I found a new podcast, and it's called. What did you do? <laughs> um, and would you believe it? There is another true crime podcast about people of color. And the All hosts right. are Char- yeah, Charnil and Dee. They are so fun, insightful, and adding more diverse vo- voices to the true crime landscape. And someone in our Facebook discussion group recommended it, uh, it after I posted a story um, piece that Good Morning America did about um, true crime and women and how women are really into true crime podcasts. Basically, there are like 500,000 true crime podcasts. Wow. And uh, I so, had no idea there were that listening. many. I did not either. I mean, I don't know how we would even know that, but um, it's Good Morning America. It's a reputable source. So um, thanks to listening to this one, by the way, because there's obviously a, a gazillion that a you lot. can choose from. But <laughs> And most of the fans are women. Uh, But I noticed something very interesting about this news piece. Not Hmm. one woman of color was included in it. Hello, we're out here. (laughs) So I shared the story and solicited, um, uh, I made a request on on our uh, Facebook discussion group, um, look, basically asking our friends um, to recommend any additional um, true crime shows about people of color, and uh, our Facebook discussion friends came through. Um, I listened to the first episode and one of their most recent episode, um, and the first episode was about uh, Michelle Blair, and she was a mother of four who killed two of her kids, and then she put them in the freezer. Oh my um, God. And yeah. Uh, and then um, the one of their latest episodes was about Daniel Drayton. And we um, referenced Daniel Drayton as the Tinder serial killer on um, right. one of our um, episodes about uh, true crime news. So yeah. check that show out. It's pretty it's pretty dope. So. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> um, any uh, serial killer or true crime news yeah i had a an update um kind of a sad update on a story that we reported on a few weeks ago about uh kiera bergman who mm-hmm. was missing at the time a 19 year old um, and unfortunately her body was found on mm. monday september 3rd in a desert area near state route 85 in buckeye It wasn't clear how long her body had been there or how she died. Kara was last seen at her home near 51st Avenue and Thunderbird Road on August 4th. So where she was found in Buckeye is about 40 miles away from where she lived. 
Whoa. Yeah. Kiera never returned home after leaving uh, the home and had not been seen or heard from since. Phoenix police arrested Bergwin's boyfriend, John Christopher Clark, but not for her disappearance. While interviewing him about Kiera's disappearance, they searched his car and found several stolen IDs. And he was charged with 22 counts of aggravated felony theft and two counts of forgery. Kiera had recently moved from California to Glendale, Arizona, to be with Clark. Uh, Mm. Police had not released any details, saying only that it's an active homicide investigation. But on September 11th, police submitted a probable cause statement to the court detailing why Clark should be charged with first-degree murder, improper removal of a body, and evidence tampering in Bergman's death. Oh, boy. So, at the time of this recording, which is on September 11th, police have not said why they suspect Clark. Um, They submitted a probable cause statement, uh, as I said, and recommended that he be charged. But uh, apparently that that's what they do before they actually charge a suspect. So he hasn't oh. actually been charged yet, but they've recommended that he be charged. And hopefully okay. we'll get more information about that soon, the details about why they yeah, think definitely. he should be charged. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Thanks for updating us on that. Sure. Um, yeah. I just got you know how alert like, today. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know later if I hear anything. Yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, <but> actually delivering. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, thank you. Sure. Um, so my bit of news is uh, on the Dallas Police Department. And if you don't know, I'm about to tell you, uh, Dallas police finally charged Amber Geiger with manslaughter. She is a white female police officer who allegedly shot and killed a man after entering an apartment she mistakenly thought was her own. She was on the wrong floor. That is crazy. Uh, She was finished with a shift, so she was fully dressed in police uniform. Um, Witnesses say they heard her asking uh, Jean and the oh boy, the gentleman's name is Botham Shen Jean. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, to let her in, her key wasn't working because she was in the wrong fucking apartment. So when the apartment. resident, <laughs> that's right, when the resident let her in, the 26 year old black male opened the door to see why a cop was there. And she shot him twice in the chest. Now, Black Twitter and Black Facebook have gone in on this issue. Um, There have been a lot of things reported about the story, but they are not all accurate. I think basically the whole Internet went nuts, at least from in my feed. My timeline was going nuts. Um, One rumor was that uh, Jean and Geiger knew each other. And there was a photo going around that was thought to be showing um, the two of them, you know, like they were friendly standing but, together yeah, yeah i saw that one too. yeah yeah and uh turns out that has been it's confirmed that the woman in the photo is not geiger now yeah and I you know did what it also, doesn't even look like her <laughs> i know what really first funny thing. See, see you know like shame on us not all white people look alike so that was <laughs> that was my bad <laughs> well, but uh, uh the police officer i think she's blonde 
And the girl uh, in the photo was a brunette. Yeah, in the mugshot, I do. I did see some grown out um, highlights. So and um, yeah, and then she also looked pretty thin. And the the girl in the photo, um, she wasn't a big girl, but she wasn't like really thin. Yeah, yeah. See, the internet plays tricks with our mind, especially Facebook. So, so you have to you have to sort of wait before you like immediately respond to a wild ass news story, or like yeah. check another source. Well, yeah, um, just so Google it. <laughs> just Google it. See if there's CNN or Washington Post or something. Um, so uh, I did also see a photo with her standing next to a person. Um, and uh, this old older woman was wearing an All Lives Matter shirt, which is very problematic and racist. Mm-hmm. But um, that doesn't make Geiger herself racist. She only appears racist adjacent. Uh, the other right. inaccurate report was that she was standing next to somebody in a photo who was holding up what the Internet first thought was a white supremacy hand signal. It is really an A-OK sign, but some <laughs> Internet trolls turned it into a white supremacy sign or it, it, they scammed us. Yeah. So uh, to describe it, the three extended fingers are supposed to represent the W and the rounded thumb and pointed finger um together are supposed to represent a p and the trolls put this out there to bait liberals and drive them crazy and it worked and the symbol was recently in the news due to those brett kavanaugh hearings where his former clerk was sitting behind him and seemed to be making this bullshit sign she was not um her husband actually put out a statement saying look she wasn't making any white supremacist anything. That is not her. She was actually born in Mexico. She has a Jewish parent. Um, she has family members who are Holocaust survivors. And there's just no way that she would al- align herself with any white supremacist. Nazi, white power. Anything. Yeah. 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 Um, so what was I was going to ask you, what was the the organization the or whatever? The, the, yeah. The troll, the troll farm. Yeah. yeah, the troll farm. <laughs> There's a website <laughs> called 4chan. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, a lot of trolls gather there. And I don't I don't really frequent that site. So I don't know a whole lot about it. But I do know that they there are a lot of trolls on there and they plan things on there. And um, we we were looking at a, a website today, Wendy and I were looking at a website and uh, mm-hmm. they had screenshots of how these guys uh, were planning this, uh, like turning the OK symbol into uh, a white supremacist symbol uh, so just to drive liberals nuts. Like, um, yeah, yeah, trolling, trolling liberals, basically uh, trying mm-hmm. to make them think that it was a white supremacist symbol. Uh, so every time they saw it, then they would go nuts. And they, it, I'm triggered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, what is also problematic about that is that I think some white supremacists have also uh, jumped on it. So they are some of them may be using it. I don't know now. Yeah, they, they I think, might be I think using that it's it sort now. of taken on a mind of its own, and they, yeah, that's that's sort of my interpretation. It's kind of like that. I think the Pepe Pepe the Frog was harmless at first, right. but then all of a sudden, 
you know, somebody caught wind, white, white, you know, not white people, but like liberals um, got a little got a little up in arms. And then I, the white supremacists just like rolled with it. And there's like this tsunami of Pepe racist nonsense out in the zeitgeist. So, yeah, it's um, kind of crazy. So how, that's kind of that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Pizzagate. That's another good example. Yeah. So um, so to. Back to the news. Um, I'm hopeful that this officer who was clearly not in her right frame of of mind, um, perhaps due to intoxication, is brought to justice. The Dallas Police Department, who is run by a black lady, amen, is trying to be as transparent about this as possible. (laughs) If I had my hip hop air horn, I would would make it go off. Um, So that's good news. Hopefully justice is served. And also... Let's try not to get trolled and be a little bit yeah. more responsible yeah, with when... the information we consume and form opinions about. I admit that I fell for it at first, <laughs> yeah. but I took a closer look. I talked amongst myself and with, with Beth, and uh, you know, and we we did a don't little just googling. Rely yeah. on Facebook for your news. We did yeah. a little googling. So there you go. Yeah. Have it. So yeah, but the picture. I was I was fooled by that as well. So <laughs> until I, I yeah, did some well Googling, I'm glad we so. got to the bottom of it because maybe yeah. there are other people listening who are like <gasps> that Brett Kavanaugh or yeah you know, ah no case is a cookie so, you know and like freaking out your little mind starts going crazy but you don't have to yeah so Google it. <laughs> My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mihaljevic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast killer podcasts and slow burn media production subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows let me introduce you to barry clue an authorized financial advisor from new zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity he was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now, you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy. And you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son, who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, let's get into it. Let's yeah. It. So, our subject today is Kimberly LaGale McCarthy. Oh. And here are the, the stats. stats. Okay. Kimberly LaGale McCarthy uh, is re- responsible for the killings of 
what they said one to three people because she was convicted of one and linked to two more um, elderly women's murders um, with DNA. And um, I thought all of them were white, but they are, they were not. Uh, I think one was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I found some pictures on a website. Uh, The only one I found with pictures of the all of the victims most of them had pictures of one the one victim that she was convicted of killing oh interesting. Uh, but not the other two okay yeah so i found one website with pictures of all three of them uh-huh. and two of them if those pictures are accurate uh-huh. then two of them were white and one of them was black okay okay shout out to diversity <laughs> um her victims were <laughs> maggie harding age 81 Jetty Lucas, age 85, and Dorothy Booth, 71, was her next door neighbor. Um, Her MO was stabbing and bludgeoning to death. Um, The murders occurred in Dallas, Texas. And interestingly... Back in Texas! Hey, don't mess with Texas! (laughs) By the way, speaking of Texas, you know, W, H, George W, he, uh, there's a funny speech where he was like, we have this old saying in Texas, probably in Tennessee. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, yeah. fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool, fool me, you can't get fooled again. Fool me twice, <laughs> don't get fooled again. Yeah, I remember Whoa, that one. That was so funny. So anyway, that's what I think of when I think uh, of Texas. Yeah, he, uh, he rivals Gerald Ford in uh, uh, just ridiculousness. <laughs> You were probably not old enough to remember, but Saturday Night Live had a heyday with Gerald Ford because he was like super clumsy. Oh, really? Oh, no. Yeah, he was always like falling down and bumping into things. Oh, Oh, my God. They had a heyday with him. They have a heyday with every every sitting president, don't they? True, true. I can't wait till it comes back. I really need to laugh. Um So, um, interestingly, she was the 500th execution in Texas since 1982. Also, I thought it was interesting, an interesting stat in Texas. Way to go, Texas. Since 1976, when the (laughs) Supreme Court allowed capital punishment to resume, Texas had carried out 40%, almost half, of the 1,300 executions throughout the U.S., Way to go, Texas. You will be getting the hip-hop air horn. (laughs) And um, also, Texas, thank you very much for Beyonce. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to get into the timeline now. Uh, Or, no. I guess we're getting into her early life. Yes. Something. I don't know. We're doing something. (laughs) We're telling some story about somebody. I don't know. (laughs) Kimberly LaGale McCarthy uh, is a black female born on May 11th, which is my mother's birthday, actually. (gasps) Wow. Interesting. Weird, huh? Yeah. I guess guess somebody's got to have that birthday, too. (laughs) Okay. So now your mom and Kimberly are the only two. Nobody else can be born nobody else can have may 11th yeah. <laughs> uh, 1961 uh, my mom was 1933 so Whoa. a little different wait a minute so uh, what what's her yeah. sign maybe that's maybe that's telling about why she's uh, why i forget our subject i don't know that much about astrology what 
May 11th Zodiac is a Taurus. The sign of the Taurus, boy. right, right. I should have yeah. known that. Yeah. Okay, okay. I don't know anything about Tauruses. Yes. <laughs> uh, they're bullheaded. That's all I know. But my oh. mom was, she, she never like seemed, no, she wasn't like that. Oh, okay. What's your sign? I'm an Aries. Ooh, my husband is an Aries. And they're <laughs> I don't fiery. think I'm a typical Aries either. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a I'm, minute. I'm pretty laid back. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, man, my husband gets so mad at the dumbest stuff. Do you, do you have little things make you mad? That's what I, that's what I've, I have observed about Aries is like the littlest thing will, will just make them, um, upset. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Although like, I guess some little things like people chewing with their mouth open and, oh boy, you know, that bothers you. Yeah. so uh is that a little thing i think that's a big thing Ah, see look now aries aries makes big deals out of little problems (laughs) um it is uh yeah so it's a it's a fire sign um fire sign yeah but i am a gemini and that is a water sign so maybe that's why we get along because we like cancel each other yeah i mean it does seem like uh you're the yin to my yang or whatever. Hey. I'm the yin to your yang. <laughs> I suppose we should probably get back to the story. Yeah, weren't we talking about something? <laughs> yeah, Kimberly LaGale McCarthy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's a black female born on May 11th, 1961 mm-hmm. in Greenville, Texas. Mm-hmm. At the time of the murder, she was an occupational therapist slash home health worker. In the past, she worked as a waitress and a laborer. She was a high school graduate. She was briefly married to the founder of the new Black Panther Party, Aaron Michaels, with whom she had one son. Oh, cool. Um, Black Panther Party kind of gets a bad rap in the uh, yeah, news media. But, does. you know, like free breakfast and free lunch for kids, Black Panther Party started that. Um, so they did a lot of, and I don't know anything about the, the new black Panther party. I don't know anything about that. I don't either, but, um, I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, um, at some point during her adult life, she developed an addiction to crack cocaine. As we have said before, the crack epidemic really destroyed the black community, ruined people's lives, and tore families apart. In 1990, she was convicted of forgery and also had convictions for prostitution and theft of services. Kimberly received a two-year sentence for the forgery, but only served four months before being released. Um, Okay, so I saw, (laughs) I like the timeline is kind of nuts to me on this one because she did some really awful things before she ever went to jail for this robbery or forgery thing. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) (laughs) So the setting is Dallas, Texas and the eighties, nineties and early two thousands. All I know about Dallas is that I have connecting flights there. I've never been outside the airport. So, listeners, mm-hmm. if there is something we should know about Dallas in this time frame, 
that we didn't cover, please email or message us on Facebook or Twitter. That's right. Dallas uh, had a housing boom and it burst. And then in the mid to late 80s had a recession. In the late uh, 1980s, shout out to you, Ronnie Reggs, a.k.a. Ronald Reagan, <laughs> a.k.a. not the best president for poor people or POCs. Anyway, he continued Slick Rick, a.k.a. Nixon's war on drugs, which was really a war on poor people and people of color. Dallas was trying to fight the war on drugs, but Dallas also had a civil war. It was very divided by politics, by class, and by race. Demographically, half the residents at the time were Black or Hispanic. Geographically, the city is split at the Trinity River and the interstate highway system. Most whites lived in the north side of the city, and almost all Blacks lived on the Black side of town. So here's my take on how drugs and crime tend to run rampant in poor neighborhoods, especially ones of color. Race and class are not the same issue, so don't try to make it that way. But they do overlap and are related to, you know, lack of education and economic opportunity. Black people started to migrate from East Texas to Dallas in the 40s. Then almost overnight, white people just left in a historical event called white flight. Neighborhood values declined, and so did the tax revenue. So guess what suffered? Schools and other local resources in the communities that were not Black. When good jobs are not available and crime is the only thing that pays, you do the crime to survive. Um, Also, when fathers and mothers were being locked up or killed, it dismantled family systems. Unstable homes with an absent parent for whatever reason or substance abuse made way for young people missing crucial elements for their well-being and success to turn to, you guessed it, gangs. And they were recruited by like these big fish drug dealers um, where they were granted protection, um, love, brotherhood, other fucked up stuff. But it's, it's uh, you know, community for them. And some kids who join gangs who get out are, and are interviewed later have um, reported, you know, that they would go days without any meals. And when they joined the gang, they didn't have to worry about that kind of thing anymore. And um, unfortunately, there was nobody else in their lives or homes who was able to do that for them. So when we look at a problem like crack or poverty in a neighborhood or a segregated neighborhood or a high crime neighborhood, um, rather than assuming it's because the people, those those people are bad or deplorable or evil, maybe ask, hmm, I wonder how it got to that point. Yeah, and I just wanted to interject that I read an article recently about why poor people make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prevailing belief, I think, is that poor people make bad decisions like not eating healthy or smoking or doing drugs or joining gangs mm-hmm. uh, because they're just not good people. Hmm. But the fact is that being poor actually changes the way that you think. Uh-huh. Uh, the stress of poverty interferes with one's ability to make good decisions. Uh-huh. Uh, and there was a point in my life when I got divorced and I was raising my kids by myself that mm-hmm. I was really poor. Yeah, uh, It took me a while to figure my way out of it. And at the time, it was really depressing. I was a single mom with two kids working a minimum wage job, and I could barely make ends meet. Mm -hmm. I had $30 a week for groceries. And if something cost, yeah, something cost $25, even like a vacuum cleaner at the Goodwill, 
<laughs> it may as well have been a thousand dollars because I couldn't afford it. You know, yeah, twenty five dollars yeah. or a thousand dollars didn't matter. I couldn't afford it. So, yeah. you know, I couldn't take my kids to the zoo or the movies or anything that cost more than a few dollars. Mm -hmm. I sometimes took them to McDonald's and got some chicken nuggets to share so that the kids could play in the play place. And it was something wow. we could afford to do. Wow. People who have money. Uh, can save to buy big items or go on vacations that bring them pleasure, but people in poverty can't do that. Mm -hmm. uh, think about it as being on a diet for a year, mm -hmm. uh, depriving yourself of any small pleasures, like even just a single cookie, mm -hmm. uh, just that you can lose two pounds. Well, <laughs> that seems pointless, <laughs> you know, totally. you're like, fuck that, yeah. you know? Yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to get wasted and go to work. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to buy this, this beer or whatever. Uh, they do little things that bring them pleasure. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, like eat chicken, chicken nuggets or buy a rock of crack. Hey. Um, I'm lucky <laughs> yeah. because... <laughs> Growing up, I had a good home life. I had good parents. Mm -hmm. You know, they had their problems, but, uh, you know, relatively, I had pretty good parents and I had a good mm -hmm. education. Yeah. So I was able to figure my way out of it. But there's a lot of people out there who don't ha have those advantages right. and don't have good parents and don't get a good education because they live in a poor neighborhood. And mm -hmm. uh, so they can't right. figure out their way out of it. And right. at the time when I was poor, the thought of being poor forever was so depressing. I can't even uh, tell you how depressing it is. Oh, <laughs> it makes man. you feel worthless. Oh, and when gosh. I put myself back there, I can totally understand why poor, poor people, poor people, <laughs> <laughs> why poor people might do the things that they do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's it. That's my hot take. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for sharing that with us, Beth. You get all the hip hop air horns. No, shout out to you for, for, um, being, um, real and vulnerable. And then, um, you made it. I did. So, I made it. But yeah. I, I feel for people because, uh, you know, I, I lived in a bad neighborhood. I had you a lot did? of neighbors. Oh yeah. I, I lived in a 650 square foot apartment. With two uh, kids? with two kids whoa yeah wow. in, in a bad neighborhood and you know i i knew people you know i talked to other mothers and we mm -hmm. hung out whatever and mm -hmm. um i know a lot of them didn't make it out so oh man and it's it's not you know i i just have a lot of empathy that's all Oh yeah. And I, um, it shows, I, I think it's beautiful to, I mean, to, um, cause your lens is different, right? You, you mm -hmm. have seen it and so you understand, um, that yeah. When you haven't been in that situation, you just don't, you're like, Oh, why don't they just, uh, do something about it? And it's like, well, it's yeah. not that easy, you know, not it's at really all. Not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I understand. I've been there. Um, so Dallas, then thank you for that, Beth. Really. I oh, do. thank I'm you so grateful <laughs> for the story. Dallas then, uh, is not that different than what's happened across the U S since the economic downturn of the late two thousands and the opioid epidemic of today. But the colors of the cast of characters is a little bit different at the time. Hmm. 
everyone in Dallas was bothered by and afraid about um, the rise in crime and drugs and guns. And everybody was blaming it on different things. Um, some people would say, oh, it's it's those people. And then some people would say, oh, it's right, the economy. The other people. So, yeah. yeah, it's the other people. So everybody had their own take on why um, Dallas was having so many problems. I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast, Ain't It Scary, with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> you can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us. Three AM, the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the Matrix, cult leaders, missing four one one, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money pop and meme culture also aren't off topic a camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place we're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls find the best stories and expand the circle in the process 3am the comedy horror podcast not for the faint or fragile of heart let's go So So now we're going to get into the timeline. That's right. I I jumped the gun earlier. Sorry about that. (laughs) Oh, it's okay. (laughs) We're just having a conversation. (laughs) Yeah. In December of 1988, Maggie Harding, 81, was murdered. Maggie Harding was a longtime friend of McCarthy's family. Uh, She even organized McCarthy's wedding and had let McCarthy store excess furniture at her house. Harding was stabbed several times in the face, chest, and abdomen, including one wound piercing her heart. She also suffered dramatic injuries to her face, including a broken jaw, crushed cheekbone, and bleeding on the brain. These wounds were consistent with being caused by a meat tenderizer found in the kitchen sink harding's purse was missing from her home oh my god this is this is like horrific um brutal yeah brutal yeah i mean did she need to do all of those things to the lady i mean no she did not I mean, I'm sure uh, just smacking her would have knocked her down and then she could have just stabbed her and that would have been it. But no, it's kind of overkill. It is super overkill. That's why I'm I'm like scratching my head. We'll get into more of these crimes. But like she had she was so full of rage 
Um, yeah. That's what it's. Yes. So yes. A week I agree. Later. Yeah. A week later, 85 year old Jetty Lucas uh, was found murdered in her home. She was physically disabled. She was a distant cousin of McCarthy's mother. I think she was the one who was black. She's the black one. Okay. Lucas was stabbed in the face, including wounds piercing her eyes. All right. I'm done with the show. (laughs) She. (laughs) That's it. Goodbye. (laughs) Stop the recording. Uh, She (laughs) suffered blunt force. That could. I just. That Uh, is one of my nightmares. Something poking my eye. Oh. She suffered blunt force trauma to her head and neck, including strikes, which tore her ears. Okay. That. Mm. All right. Fractured her skull and caused bleeding to the brain. The injuries were consistent with a claw hammer oh and my God. a knife. Wow. My God. Okay. So that was uh, 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1990. So two years later, McCarthy was convicted of forgery for which she was sentenced to two years, but she only served four months and was on parole until 1991. Also, McCarthy had convictions for theft of service and prostitution. Theft Mm -hmm. of service. Do you know what that is? I'm assuming like she would do a job for somebody and take the money and I don't know. I don't know what that. So some is. kind I, of I thought some kind of thievery. <laughs> yeah, but of services. So of she. Services. I'm, I'm thinking somebody. she would. She. I'm thinking she maybe she. Um, she took money for something, a job, and then she didn't do the job. Yeah, maybe. that's what I thought. Like a like yeah. a contractor not finishing the work. Yeah. Okay. Um, so okay, while I'm in. That. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While incarcerated, awaiting trial, McCarthy assaulted, threatened, and took advantage of other inmates and violated many prison rules. She was released sometime in 1990, so I don't understand why she only served four months. Uh, she sounds like she was not a good inmate. Yeah, definitely not exhibiting good behavior. No, I wonder if maybe they just had like uh, too many prisoners. I mean, it sounds oh, like yeah, uh, maybe it Dallas was, cool. was like just overflowing with. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that suggestion. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. On July 21st, 1997, McCarthy entered the home of her 71 year old neighbor, Dorothy Booth, under the pretense of borrowing some sugar. Sounds so nice. I know. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> If somebody asked you to borrow sugar, would like one of your neighbors, would you give it to him? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It seems, it seems weird to me. We used to do that back in the day. I haven't had anybody ask me for any in years, but yeah, it used to be pretty common. (laughs) Oh, well, okay. Well, uh, I'll just shut up and keep reading. Uh, Booth was a Booth was a retired psychology professor. Uh, Donna Allred, Booth's daughter, reading a statement to reporters, said that her mother was an incredible person who was taken before her time. She stabbed Booth five times and hit her in the face with a candelabra. Now that reminded me of the Michael Douglas and um, Matt Damon movie Behind the Candelabra, where he plays Liberace. <laughs> Only this scene is not as fabulous as the movie. 
she she cut off Booth's left ring finger to remove oh her diamond ring. McCarthy Yikes. took the victim's ring, purse, and Mercedes Benz. Yeah, then she drove the stolen car to Dallas, pawned the woman's wedding ring that she had removed from the severed finger. Oh god. Oh god, she she pawned it for $200 and went to a crack house to buy cocaine. But the dealer, Smiley, didn't have any, so he went around the corner to get some in the stolen car. So he 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 borrowed. <laughs> He I don't know why I find this so funny. <laughs> this is, it just seems like it ridiculous. should be a movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> should be like a, a Coen Brothers movie or something. <laughs> it should be. Are you listening, Hollywood? <laughs> so he borrowed the stolen car and uh, McCarthy waited at Smiley's dope house. Smiley was stopped by the police but let go and gave McCarthy the keys back when he came back with the drugs. Uh, she used the, the victim's credit card four times on the day after the murder at like a liquor store. And uh, she bought liquor and cigarettes. And she also sold Booth's caller ID and cordless phone for dope money. Oh, um, McCarthy was apprehended the next day and invoked her right to counsel. Um, so let's see. Now we're going to get into the investigation. The police immediately began searching for the vehicle, the credit cards and the ring. And McCarthy was arrested one day after the murder. McCarthy waived her right to counsel and gave the police a confession. During her trial, a police officer testified that McCarthy promised to confess to the murder if he would give her crack. <laughs> huh? Sis? What? She uh, she had it bad, man. <laughs> she, yeah. But she believed that the police would give her crack if she confessed? <laughs> that's... What the heck? Anyway, um... Yeah, that's nuts. That is absolutely nuts. Now, McCarthy has said she was innocent. Um, and her story is that Kilo and JC, two guys she met a couple months earlier and got drugs from, came to her house and they partied into the wee hours of the morning. And when they ran out of drugs and money, they asked if she knew of anyone she could borrow money from to buy more drugs. Doing drugs! She said <laughs> no. But they began to be verbally abusive and threatening harm if she didn't. She then suggested her neighbor, Dorothy Booth. Uh, the drug dealers told her to call Booth and ask to borrow some sugar as a pretense for going to her house so that they could rob her. She stated that she they went they all went over there together and when Booth opened the door for her, the drug dealers went inside while she waited outside in Booth's car. She said Kilo mm. and JC killed Booth, and she was outside of the house when they did it. They came outside with Booth's belongings, and they drove away and went to a crack house, as you do. Mm -hmm. As one does, yes, absolutely. As one does, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Then she parted ways with Kilo and JC, but she kept the car and all the stuff. McCarthy admitted driving Booth's car, selling her possessions for drugs, and using her credit cards. But there uh, was no evidence that Kilo and JC actually existed. It's a damn lie. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I mean, I I gotta give her credit for at least trying to come yes, up very with creative. Yeah, K- very Kilo creative. and JC. I like that. Kilo and J, brother <laughs> JC and brother Kilo. Um, Ms. McCarthy had been caught using Dorothy Booth's credit cards at the liquor store, and she was in possession of Dorothy Booth's driver's license. But the most crucial piece of evidence came with the forensic tense testing of a 10-inch butcher knife found in McCarthy's home. The knife had been washed, but forensic experts dismantled the plastic handle and recovered a big enough sample to match that of Booth's genetic profile. All right. McCarthy was also linked to the two other murders. Thanks to DNA, evidence tied her to the December 1988 killing of 81-year-old Maggie Harding and 85-year-old Jetty Lucas. McCarthy, who denied any involvement in the attacks, was indicted but was not tried for those murders. Shout out to DNA! Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> on ju- now we're going to get into her trial. So on July 21st, 1997, a Texas jury convicted McCarthy of capital murder for the death of Dorothy Booth. And in December 1998, she was sentenced to death. She appealed because she wrote a confession when she had invoked her right to counsel. And the prosecutor used her statement to paint her in a very bad light as an unrepentant liar, cruel, greedy. Um, she was greedy for, um, you know, having a motive to kill an elderly neighbor. Yeah, I, well, I think she was all those things. <laughs> yeah, I think no, so I too. <laughs> Yeah. That's you know it seems accurate to me. <laughs> seems accurate, yeah. <laughs> In 2001, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals reversed her capital murder conviction. She had a second <gasps> trial because the appellate court appellate ap, apple appellate appellate appellate. Thank you. <laughs> the appellate court ruled that her confession was illegally obtained. Only one juror at her retrial was black. In November 2002, she was resentenced. Hey, Beth, have you ever had jury duty? I've been called for jury duty and then sat around and then told to go home. And that's about the extent of it. Oh, I would love to serve on a jury. <laughs> um, I, I literally am dying to do it. Um, so there is, uh, the reason why I bring this, this up is because they noted that only one juror was black. And there is a strategy that is de- deployed in these cases um, to keep um, juries as wide as possible. And um, <laughs> I don't know, that was an accident. How do you... How do you avoid jury duty? Be a black woman. Uh, there's a case called <laughs> Batson v. Kentucky um, from 1986. And it was a case in which the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that a prosecutor's use of a preemptory challenge in a criminal case, um, the, pr- that's, uh, the dis- that's when they dismissed jurors without stating a valid cause right. for doing so. And the court um said that they may not be used to exclude jurors based solely on their race um jurors that are not all white tend to side with the defendant um which uh prosecutors don't like (laughs) and um prosecutors have yeah imagine that they've gotten creative (laughs) using their preemptive strike saying things like oh we have to strike that juror because he grew up in the same neighborhood as the defendant or uh 
they've they've got to go because um they're the same age as the defendant bullshit stuff like that so um but uh the white juror nobody they never they they are not described in such fashion when when the right they could be the same age and it doesn't matter yeah yeah exactly so that's how um the supreme court they used that evidence and found out that what they were doing was bullshit so um so um how many strikes do they get in every jurisdiction, I think it is different. Okay. Um, I don't know in Texas, but like I go, I go to a lot of trials here in Arizona, and um, we, I, I should know the number, but I think it's different in every jurisdiction. There is a limit, right? Right. They don't get an unlimited amount, and each side gets the same. Um, and sometimes, um, they'll agree on, on striking this, the, the, you know, the same same jurors in the pool right but i really don't know what the um limit is in okay. texas uh, or yeah, anywhere else I was just <laughs> i was just wondering uh, i i had heard that there was a limit but i didn't really know for sure there is just don't know what it is <laughs> okay um so um where are they now <laughs> d-e-a-d dead um <laughs> she said on june 26 2013 in Huntsville, Texas, McCarthy was executed by lethal injection. She was the 500th inmate to be executed in Texas since it resumed carrying out capital punishment in 1982. McCarthy was 52 at the time. Prior to the execution, uh, she was given a new white prison uniform and offered as her last meal the same food other prisoners ate at dinner. Texas does not offer a special last meal. I know we were talking about this on another episode, so I thought I'd add that in. Yeah, I'm glad you did. (laughs) She had for her last meal pepper steak, mashed potatoes with gravy, mixed vegetables, and white cake with chocolate icing, which doesn't sound too bad for a last meal. That doesn't sound bad at all, because you said you would like a steak for your last meal, so... Maybe not yeah. pepper steak, but uh, yeah, a steak. <laughs> um, is pep- Does that just mean there's pe- like pepper on it? Um, you know, I'm thinking pepper steak is uh, like thinner um, oh. than a regular steak, like maybe pan fried with peppers. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I, um... <laughs> oh, yeah, please tell us. Pepper steak. I'm not a steak Gal. Oh yeah, it's it's like a stir fry, uh, cut up like oh. slices of steak with uh, peppers. Okay. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So, cool. Go ahead. Thank you so so much. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so you're not a, a steak hey, person? Um, no, I think it's gross. <laughs> really? Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not a, a beef fan we never ate beef when i was growing up and so um like my husband is like you know his his family like loves mm-hmm. steak and so when they come into town they like fill our fridge with all this steak and potatoes beef. steak and potatoes yeah you know. and so i'm like eating it but trying to like eat it fast Aww. just to not be rude because when my when my mother-in-law comes she like cooks for us right but oh she, nice she's always got to make a steak yeah and it's bloody <laughs> i just uh 
It's just not my thing. But I do eat it to be polite. That so. is very nice of you. Are we? Okay, so in her final statement, McCarthy did not mention her status as the 500th inmate to be executed or acknowledge Booth or her family, which were present at the execution. She stated, this is not a loss. This is a win. You know where I'm going. I'm going home to be with Jesus. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Keep the faith. I love, she didn't say that part. I love you all. And... As the drug started to take effect, McCarthy said, God is great. Before closing her eyes, she took hard, raspy, loud breaths for several seconds before becoming quiet. Then uh, her chest moved up and down for another minute before she stopped breathing. McCarthy's attorney at the time of her death was Mari Levin, and he said her entire case was plagued with shameful errors of racial bias during jury selection and ineffective assistance of counsel. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule, history so interesting, it's criminal. What made her snap? Well, I don't know exactly. I tried to find out mm. more about her early life or possible mental issues or a personality disorder or something, but I kept hitting mm-hmm. dead ends. Most of the articles that I read were about the fact that she was the 500th execution in Texas. That's pretty much as far as they went. I mean, obviously, yeah. she wanted money for crack. But there are other ways to get money, like, I don't know, uh, just robbing the ladies while they were sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She didn't have to murder them. Uh, The murderers were also very up close and personal uh, and Mm -hmm. probably overkill, like we were talking about earlier. So uh, I think she probably had some underlying anger issues. It seemed like she had Mm -hmm. a career going as an occupational therapist working in a nursing home, but it somehow Mm -hmm. went, all went off the rails. I would love to see a psychological profile. I would too. I would too. And I wonder, I mean, if she went to trial, I'm assuming one would have been done, Mm -hmm. but uh, I, I don't know why we don't have that information, but I, yeah, I have no idea why she, she snapped seems to me like she had anger issues. I wish uh, the articles didn't spend so much time talking about how she was the 500th execution. Yeah, we get it. Okay, what was wrong with her? We know, (laughs) Texas. Can we get to the rest of the story? Yeah. yeah, uh, Maybe it was mental illness or uh, maybe she was just a homicidal maniac. I'm not sure if that term is... um, uh, politically I don't, I don't but think you know it what really I mean. matters. <laughs> if somebody's <laughs> a homicidal maniac, then, you know, do we have to be politically correct? <laughs> I guess we do not. 
So, Wendy, what are your takeaways? Um, it is crazy to me that she committed such horrific murders of two people and almost got away with it. But then here comes DNA to save the day. <laughs> so, yay for DNA. But um, what I also found wild is that uh, how long murders would go unsolved back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like nowadays, there if there's a killer on the loose, we they get caught right away with eyewitnesses, DNA, CCTV footage, social media activity, and cell phone pings. Um, So as uh, we have evolved and technology has gotten better, it appears that the number of serial killers has gone down too. So my takeaway is uh, crack is a hell of a drug. (laughs) It sure is. It sure is. Uh, (laughs) Yes, it is um well uh that's it for the story um let us know what you thought um next up how not to get murdered if you love true crime and you don't want to die here's a tip for you (laughs) (laughs) so this segment is not intended to be victim blaming we thought of this segment because i read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer But in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. Yes. So I suppose as it relates to this case, uh, it was a different time. So we're, you know, it was in the 80s and 90s and we're in uh, almost a borrowed sugar. Um, People borrowed sugar, which I didn't know was a thing. I thought it was a joke. Um, So as it relates to this case, uh, I would say get to know your neighbors and perhaps be leery of people with a known history of substance abuse who are not trying to get help. Um, It sounds like McCarthy was in the throes of addiction and making really poor decisions. Uh, It also sounds like her victims were older, vulnerable, trusting women. Um, I don't know how we can totally avoid evil, but in my neighborhood, if my neighbor asked me for something, we both come out of our houses. So none of us has a chance to walk into the house and yeah, kill each other. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so, and we need somewhere in the middle. Yeah, so. good idea. And I don't have anything related to the episode, but okay. uh, my daughter recently asked me about some things that she read online um, and she wanted me to look into them. So one of them was about a panic button feature on iPhones. She said she'd been reading a lot of posts on Facebook about it. And she wanted to know if it was true. It turns out that iPhones do have a panic button feature and so do Apple watches. That's awesome. Yeah. It's called the SOS feature. Uh, Depending on your model, There are different ways to activate it for the iPhone 7 and older. You press the side button five times. It will begin a countdown, which you can Mm -hmm. stop if you call it accidentally. Uh, For the iPhone 8, you have to press the side button and the volume button uh, at the same time and hold them down until the countdown Mm -hmm. begins. And to me, that seems a little harder to do if you're in a situation where you want to call emergency services stealthily, like if if you're being mugged or something. But you can change the settings. Yeah. So it will trigger it the old way with five presses to the side button. 
And uh, we'll put a link uh, with detailed information in the show notes so uh, that you can uh, read all about it. And some Android models also have panic button features, but they're all different. So I would suggest Googling your model and SOS feature to get information about yours. Uh, The other thing that my daughter had read online uh, and asked me about was a viral story about how if you're being robbed at an ATM and forced to put in your pin to get money out to give to the robber, if you put in your pin in reverse, it will give you the money, but also alert police. This one turned out to Mm -hmm. not be true. Aw, man. I know. It's true that someone came up with the idea. And it was patented by the guy who came up with it in 1998, and it was named the Safety Pin System, but it's never been implemented. The reasoning being that if you're being robbed, the stress of the situation would make it difficult for you to remember your pin number backwards and could actually put you in more danger Mm -hmm. as fumbling around could alert the robber to what you're trying to do. Uh, The other being that in a situation like that, the police would probably not even be able to get there quickly enough to make a difference. So anyway, that one's Hmm. been debunked. It is not true. Damn it. And if you have have any other questions about uh, stuff that you read online, uh, uh, send us a message. Hit us up. Yeah, we'd love to know your suggestions or um, theories on um, staying safe Mm -hmm. out there. Let's get into our listener letters. We did get some love, some constructive love, um, on an iTunes review um, by somebody named Moray4. And the review is titled, Just Getting Started. Moray says, I love the concept for this podcast. It's early on, so it's a little rough around the edges, amen, but the hosts are entertaining and fun. I can't wait to hear what this show sounds like in four years to come. And to that I say, thanks, Moray, for we are admittedly new to this, and our goal is to continue to deliver fire-ass content for you (laughs) and get better and better at it all the time. So thanks for your kind words and your candor. We see you, boo. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so hey Beth, where can they where can the people find us? Our website is fruitloopspod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. Also links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app which you can download to your phone or you can find online at cash.me forward slash dollar sign Fruit Loops pod, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page, uh, which is mm-hmm. patron.podbean.com forward slash Fruit Loops pod. And we'll put all this in our footnotes. That's right. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting and there's no minimum and no commitment and even a dollar would help so yeah we would appreciate it um we would yeah we pay monthly for hosting for our podcast and our website so we're not making any money at this (laughs) 
No, <laughs> this is a labor of love. Yes. By the way, I think I owe you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yes, it is a labor of love. If you so. love us, labor with us. Yes. Um, so anyway, um, you'd appreciate it. That's all. Yeah. That is it for the show today. Thank you for listening. This is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.